Hello, this is Aaron Saft on the MR Running Pains podcast. With 30 years of running experience and 20 years of coaching, I thought it time to share with you things I've learned and people I've met so that you can try things for yourself and see if they help your running. Thanks for joining me. Wrote this song while crew and Aaron on a 100-mile foot race through the trails in the rain and mud. How about that? Episode 33, going by pretty quick. Um, Tonight I have um, a really special guest, Um, this uh, young woman, is named Julie Jordan. Julie is uh, is one of my athletes. Um, She has been with me for about seven weeks, so um, it was a a real quick turnaround for Julie. She, uh, she came to me and as we kind of talk about, um, she had, um, a 50 miler, uh, called the moonlight boogie, uh, here in North Carolina. And, uh, um, it didn't go great as she'll talk about. And, um, you know, that was right at the beginning of when we started, um, cause she was on a kind of a cookie cutter plan. Um, and, uh, we turned her, her turning around really quickly. 
and uh, implemented a lot of things and actually just backed off quite a bit just to get her legs fresher and feeling less fatigued. Um, Julie did amazing. Um, this is her first hundred miler and I thought it was a great way to kind of create conclusion to all the you know previous three episodes where I've been talking about how to put together um, an event like a hundred miler. Uh, Julie run, uh, she ran the Yeti 100 uh, in uh, Damascus, Virginia, one of Jason Green's Yeti events. Uh, and, um, she, you know, she, uh, she <laughs> I'll let her tell the tale. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. Julie, I'm so proud of you. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do in the future. Um, so that's what's coming up here. Uh, just, uh, uh, hope you enjoy hearing Julie and, uh, and her ways of, in preparation and execution of this race. Uh, hope you can learn something from it. Um, you know, and, uh, if you can give an encouraging word to Julie, um, you know, she, she's on Facebook, just congratulations. Cause that was her first hundred miler and just amazing what she did. Um, so here comes Julie's story. Enjoy. And I'll, I'll talk to you at the end. All right. Here I am with Julie Jordan. Um, Julie, how are you this evening? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm really good. We were just talking uh, before we started here. Um, Julie's got a, a really cool short story to share. Um, you know, my recent episodes have been on uh, what to do in preps for, for longer races with crew and pacing, and I thought this might be a really good summation and, and way to bring it all together. So, um, Julie, why don't you tell us a, a little bit about yourself, just your, your average life. What do you do? <laughs> okay. I am, um, I'm 42 years old. I'm married. I have two kids and I'm a middle school teacher. I live in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And that's about it. I like running <laughs> really slowly. Right on. Uh, so, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the, the running part of things. Um, how long have you been running? Uh, I've been a runner forever. My grandpa was a huge runner um, and he would run races and we would all go to the races to see him and have like a family reunion around his race. So more and more people started running the races because they didn't want to watch the kids. So um, then everyone, when we all grew up, we started running with grandpa and um, they would have to increase um, age groups for him. So I remember at the Shamrock, which was his favorite race, they had to make an 80 and over age group when he, after he was 79. And then 10 years later, they had to make a 90 and over age group for him. And he ran that one until he was 92 and he ran until he was 94 and he just passed away uh, about a year ago at 96. Yeah. He was a world war two vet and he just ran and ran and ran and he got all of us into running. And uh, my aunt, she would bribe us with packs of garbage pail kids because that was that was the thing when we were when we were young. So every time we added up to a mile, she'd get us a pack of garbage pail kids. So that was a good bribe there. Uh, I ran track in high school and middle school, and did a season of cross country in high school, and um, ran through college. When I started my first year of teaching, it was in Marion, North Carolina, and the um, the runner of the town, Charles Brown, he adopted me, and, and they just took me into their family and their running group. And I really loved running with them and there's nothing but hills there. So I got really strong and I got fast and enjoyed running marathons for the next several years. And then a couple years ago at a race, I met uh, Bill Keen, who lives in Winston-Salem. 
And um, in our very first conversation, he turned my heart into an ultra runner. So ever since then, I've been trying to figure out how to become an ultra runner. And I'm really, really slow. So um, I guess I'm still trying to figure it out. But but here we are. Yes. Well, you're 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 making you're making good strides. That's for sure. <laughs> Pretty awesome. And that's kind of what we're going to get into here. So, um, so you get into the the ultra world. Um, wh- how did that start? What did you start with? What distance? Um, really, just fifty k's. I had run a bunch of marathons, and everyone said, you know, there's there's not that much difference. And I thought there was a huge difference because I always felt really bad by the end of a marathon. Um, So, so I started doing some 50 K's and I did most of them just at, at timed events because they're so nice and safe and comfortable and convenient. And, um, and I haven't done that many of those. And so, um, just 50 K's mostly, I haven't done anything else really. So what did, what did you think? So uh, initially you thought it was going to be really hard because of how you felt the end of the marathon, but, um, you know, in retrospect, what, what do you think? Um, how did you feel once you completed a few? Um, it's really enjoyable. I mean, I love the satisfaction of having gone that far. I mean, over 30 miles, it, it, it does, it still feels to me like a huge difference of a marathon. And it was fun how it changed my marathons because I remember a couple marathons after I had done a 50 K or two, I tried to think of the marathon as a 50 K. So when I got to 13, I didn't think, Oh, I'm halfway done. When I got to 15, I thought, Oh, I'm halfway done. And then when I got to 26, I just felt like I got stopped five miles early. So (laughs) that was, that was really fun. And so my, my times got better at marathon. I mean, they're not fast at all, but my times got better. And, um, that makes, that's always fun to chase. So I don't know. I just enjoyed the, the being able to go that far on foot. I think that's amazing that our bodies can do that. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's a wonderful suggestion. Uh, you know, I, I recommend that anybody interested in, in trying a 50 K or a new distance higher than the marathon to, to try a timed event. Cause you're right. It's very welcoming. Uh, there's not a lot of restrictions. Um, you know, a lot of times it's a loop course, so you have access to aid stations and such. So it's, it is a really good way to, to get into ultra running. Um, so um, you did the 50Ks and, um, and then you decided to move up, right? Yeah. And I kind of, I, I had a couple other things in mind. I wanted to try 50 miles and um, I was training for some and I had an ankle injury. And so the first time I was going to try 50 miles, I wasn't able to get to the start line because I was in a cast, like a soft cast. So I missed that one. And then there were a couple other times I was going to try and, um, I had a stomach thing, like I had strep throat the week of the race. And so I couldn't try to go that far. Uh, so they just kind of just stuff came up each time. And I know that happens. And so I'm always really grateful when I get to a starting line, cause that's, that's a tough thing to get to a starting line. So I didn't have any, um, other races that were really building up to anything. Um, so I, I don't know, I was very nervous that I didn't have that gradual step, but, um, I heard a quote from someone on a podcast I was listening to and, uh, it was Jessica Croissant, which I think is an area runner up in that area. And she said, when someone commented to her about why did she go to this distance without doing all the step ups, she said, you know, people told me there are ways you're supposed to do this and you build up to it and you got to follow the rules to be successful. And, and she said something to the effect of people told me there were rules and I didn't care what the rules were. I just knew what I wanted. And, and I thought that was really inspiring. She just wanted to go do this other distance and she didn't, she just went for it. And it was, it was really inspiring to me. So 
I just kind of thought, well, maybe it's okay if I just do this. This is the way things are working out. Yeah, nice. That's cool. Um, the uh, you know, I, I think these days people just go after it. Um, you know that well. As you were saying, kind of earlier, the you know the fifty k really it's it's not too much longer than the marathon, and you don't train too much differently than you do for a marathon. So the you know the step up to the fifty mile really isn't really isn't too bad. Um, you know if if you have experience with the marathon and such, um, you know. So there, I mean, there's just people that come into ultra marathons and just go right into it. So to each their own, and uh, you know you got to find your route. So um, it, it sounds like you were feeling your way out there. Um, we were, uh, uh, we met, um, kind of midsummer, right. We met, uh, July, um, and Julie had, uh, emailed me about coaching and, um, she had the, um, the boogie, right. It was the boogie coming up. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So she was training for the boogie. Um, and, um, do you want to, you want to talk about a little bit what you were doing at the time for, mm-hmm. for training and, uh, before. Yeah. All that? Yeah. Sure thing. And, um, in, when I was, when Boogie came around, um, it was in line for, for my Yeti race that I was training for. And so, and that race had actually gotten postponed because of COVID. So then it landed in August was when they rescheduled it. Um, and I had been, uh, Boogie's a 50 miler for, yeah, yeah, the Bethel Hill Moonlight Boogie 50 miler. They have a marathon also, which they affectionately call the kiddie race at that, at that event. But, um, I had always done the marathon. And so I was training for Yeti and I thought maybe this would be a great time to try for the 50 at Boogie. Um, and everything, you know, on paper looked like it should have been fine. And, um, it, everything just went completely wrong for me in that race. It was, it was devastating. (laughs) It took a lot of emotional work to get over, but, um, I don't know. We DNFs are are good for us sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, prior to, to what we were meeting, do you want to talk a little bit about what you were doing training wise? Mm-hmm, sure. And um, I, I signed up for the lottery for Yeti because um, I thought that would be fun to do some year, like maybe in a couple years. And um, they said it takes like three years to get in. And so, you know, I was blown away when, oh, I got in on my first try. And then I was like, oh, now what? So I got myself a training plan, just pulled one offline and um I, I, I'm, I'm very good at overextending myself and having too many irons in the fire. So a lot of times I don't train as well as I should. And I thought for this, I've got to make sure I do everything I'm supposed to do. So I got a training plan and I kind of thought if I do every single mile on this training plan, I'll be ready when I, when I get on that start line in September and it was too much for me. So I was just burning out. Um, and so when Boogie came around, I had I had been doing high mileage that I guess I wasn't ready for. And um, when we started the race, it was it was really hot and I had developed a skin condition. I've had it a long time, but because I've noticed it in running for years. But this year it just got really bad and um, my skin would break out like in hives when it was too hot. So if I ran more than about 25 miles and it was more than about 80 degrees, my skin would break out real bad. It was, it was quite painful. I had shingles several years ago and it felt like that where the nerves are just on the outside of your skin. And um, so, you know, and when you're training in North Carolina in the summer, you're going to go more than 25 miles and it's going to be 80 degrees. So I was struggling with that a lot over the summer. So at Boogie, uh, the heat was bad. My skin all flared up and I just felt like I was, 
and I was hot from running in the heat and my skin was burning me from the outside in. And uh, I was exhausted because I had run 50 miles the weekend before and I was trying to run 50 this weekend. And um, my system got all out of whack and um, I was just, I was just dying. And a real nice friend named Oak was pacing me and he was, he was helping me try to get my first 50 that night. And I just blew up and just crumpled. And it was, it was devastating. It was, it was the worst I've ever felt in a race for sure. <laughs> so, and that, that's kind of when I, I stepped in and said, is it okay if, <laughs> if we back off a little bit and, and train a little wiser? Yeah. Um, thank goodness. <laughs> um, and I, I'm, I'm super grateful that um, you listened because I know you wanted to kind of stick to the plan. Um, you know, you felt like that was going to be a good preparation for Yeti, which it could have been, um, you know, but I, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's hard when you, you buy one of those kind of, you know, uh, made for, for all plans, right. Cause you know, it, it's, it's a plan that's hopefully going to, you know, be kind of middle of the road, but it, you know, the one you picked sounded like it was a, uh, it was really, it was, it was tough. Um, so, um, so we pulled back, um, on mileage and just tried getting you <laughs> less fatigued, uh, mm-hmm. which was amazing. I, I don't remember if you remember your first, uh, um, you know, uh, it's like your first long run where we weren't going, you know, back to back, um, <laughs> effort. <laughs> uh, we said, Oh my God, my legs feel so much fresher. <laughs> and then it was a relief. And my kids were so happy to see me so much more often. <laughs> uh, well, I, and you know, again, this is kind of a podcast to help people learn, but you know, it's, it's, um, it's not always necessary to do, um, high volume and high mileage and, and constant long runs and, and you know, back to back long runs. And so, um, you know, that was, <laughs> that was the first step that we took. Uh, so, um, but then, um, you know, we, we also implemented some other changes, um, and, um, started giving you a little bit of workouts, um, to get to those legs turning over a little bit more and, and some snapping your legs. Uh, and, and then, you know, we added, uh, your, your favorites, the, uh, <laughs> the core work. So, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, so how did, how did you feel when we made all those changes? Um, I was really grateful cause I knew that that was a part of, having a running diet that I was completely lacking. I mean, I knew that I could get out there and my miles were getting slower and slower and slower, you know, and I was just tacking more and more of them on, which made that worse. And, um, and I knew I I didn't have good fitness, um, you know, because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't lift things and I couldn't have any burst of speed. So I was really glad that someone was telling me exactly what to do, watch this video, just do what they do. I was really, really glad. And I did, I did every little bit and I don't know if I did the form right and that kind of thing, but I, I put a hundred percent effort into it. <laughs> yeah, that's something I wish um, we had more uh, control over and maybe, you know, doing a, a video every once in a while, just to make sure. Cause I mean, form is super um, important, but that's a, that is the the negative of uh, of remote coaching, <laughs> but uh, you're right. That is uh, that is something we should address as well. Um, okay. Um, so you had the DNF, unfortunately, at Boogie, um, and uh, we were getting ready for for Yeti. Um, um, what uh, what was what was your mindset? Um, kind of you know after after boogie and, and getting closer to Yeti, what was your, what were you thinking? How are you feeling? Um, I was just feeling really, really scared and really uneasy that um, I was once again, going to show up to a start line, not properly prepared. And, um, and that, you know, if I hadn't been able to do 
this race that was 50 miles, how in the world was I going to be able to go more than, you know, more than go twice that? Because I, I got stopped at mile 40 and, you know, I needed to go twice that far and half again. So I just thought, oh, my gosh, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? So I don't know, just kind of dreading it, but I wasn't about to give up the preparation for it. I was just waiting to see what would happen and what, what could happen. And so uh, very, very nervous, but also excited because I don't think we go into these things unless we've been inspired or we've had a dream of, you know, what if I could do something like that? And um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's so fun to watch these videos of people on their races and watch documentaries and hear what people do. And I guess we all watch those and listen to those hoping that, you know, there's a little part of us that believes we can do it. And I don't know. So I was, I was feeding that part and also listening a whole lot to that part that was just dreading. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A lot of times we talk about uh, having a why. Did you have a why? Did you feel you had something strong enough to to carry you? Um, Yes. And I had thought about that. And I I even talked about that on a, a run with one of my pacers when we were running together. And we talked about that a lot. And then I, when I was in that boogie race, I didn't care about any of those whys. All I wanted was to stop. So then I was like, well, what's going to happen at Yeti? You know, when I'm thinking about my why and I didn't even care about the W of that why, you know, so, so I, I did, you know, I guess we all have a lot of reasons that we do this and it's, you know, can probably tied to our past and our present and our hopes for the future. So I did have a lot of that. Uh, and I had made, um, when I was started training, I guess I started this back in April, I started making a list of all the things of why I wanted to do it and, um, and different quotes that people had made and, and said, or that I'd hear on a podcast or read in a book. And I worked on this list for like, it started off just like a one or two thing, but I actually kept adding to this list for about six months. And it, so it is really became quite personal and kind of like a diary entry. And I guess like reading my soul, but it had a whole list of um, things that would, that made me want to do it and that were the reason why I wanted to do it. It had um, a section of like people that inspired me or had always encouraged me and just made me believe I could do anything. And, um, and so I had that list with me at the race. I sent it to my pacers the night before. I said, don't read this, you know, until we get to the race. And if I'm having a bad time and I say, you know, read me one of those quotes or tell me about this. And, um, there was a prayer list in it, you know, for people that to pray for. And, uh, so that, that, that list, it was a big part of my why. I mean, I guess it literally is in print all of my whys, but, um, and that was really interesting to work on. I didn't expect that that would be something that I would do or make, um, and it is really personal. So um, I don't know. It was it was really neat for my pacers to have that and be able to pick and choose things to look at during the race. And um, so that would be my why. That's awesome. Was there one that stuck out to you? Like one quote? Oh, all of them. There's so there's just too many. Um, I don't know if I could recount one right now, but the most of it, I guess the thing that stands out is that it's a whole collection of I mean, if you could take all the things in your life that make you happy and make you feel good about yourself and, um, you know, all the unconditional love you've ever had and you put it all on one piece of paper, that's that's what that paper is for me, I guess. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Yes. Uh, I think I told you I, I uh, put a picture of my family in a Ziploc bag and, and put it upside down on my shorts so I can always look down and see them. And uh, that keeps that's me great. going. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes. That's right. Um, 
Um, now you guys, uh, you, with one of your, uh, your crew members, you came up with a, a good nutritional plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did that look like for, uh, for race day? What did you guys come up with? Uh, for race day, our plan was, and, uh, my crew chief, Patrick, who's my cousin is an awesome runner. So shout out to him and the DQTC. Um, we talked about the night before about doing something every 30 minutes. So, um, when the race, I was going to eat a, a good breakfast beforehand. I usually eat eggs or bagel beforehand. And then once the race started every 30 minutes doing something, and I was going to alternate like 30 minutes doing a gel and then on the hour eating something that was kind of real food. And we had mapped out about 200 calories per hour. And uh, that was supposed to be kind of food, food, not just 200 calories of gels. And, um, and my cousin, he just said, you know, you got to think of it like a constant IV drip because to last all day until, or to last all, you know, the whole race, all 30 hours, you got to have that and you're going to burn it off. And if it was a marathon where you'd be done and you know, I'm, I'm like a five and a half hour to six hour marathon, you know, you can, you can skip a couple meals and still be okay. But for this, we needed to stay on the front end of that nutrition and not, not get behind on it. So that was our plan was to do that. And then at three points in the race, they're going to bring me real food. Like one of them was a happy meal because it's just small and convenient. And I like the getting a little bit of meat and bread, although it's not, I don't know if it's real meat, like in a happy meal, but um, the fries are good because they're salty. And then, you know, a little shot of Coke. Um, and another one was a barbecue place from a place that's really good in, in, in Damascus there that I like. Um, but then they brought that bless their hearts and I could hardly eat any of it, but, but we did have a plan and it went really well for most of the race. That's awesome. That's very cool. Um, did you have any fallback? Like, so in that plan, did you create fallback plans? Oh, good question. I guess my answer would be no, but I'm sure they had one that my, my crew was amazing. It was, um, they had a plan for everything. When things went wrong, they knew what caused it and how to fix it. So Jess and Chris and Pat, man, they, they were on top of everything. They were great. That's awesome. That's so great. Um, so um, you guys had the plan. Did you have written instructions for your crew and your pacers? Um, That's a good question. I had made like a, a spreadsheet doc and um, I made it like three and a half or four weeks out and it had all of the lodging info on it. It had um, the kind of food I like to eat and what I like, what I'm used to, what I like. Um, it had just a lot of information like that. So we, we had that and we met on a Zoom call and we kind of talked about everything. Uh, my cousin and the one friend, Chris, they've grown up together like brothers. And so um, they've known each other their whole life. And then my friend Jess, who I've met on doing lots of relay teams, they didn't know her. So we met on the Zoom calls a couple of times. I, I don't know how many Zoom calls we did. I think we we're supposed to do another one that I missed, actually. So um, they're, you know, they got to know each other a little bit beforehand and then, you know, the way you do at a race. So we did, we tried to put heads together and they're very experienced at pacing. They're way more experienced at pacing than I am at racing. So they were asking me questions like, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to do this? What do you like? Is this better or this? So they knew how to cover all those bases beforehand. So that stuff was discussed, which was really nice. That's awesome. Now, we, I just want to remind everybody, this was um, Julie's first uh, 100 miler, and uh, she had a very uh, able crew around her. So uh, take note of that. If you have this is your first time or you're going into your first time for uh, a new distance, uh, make sure you surround yourself with uh, capable people. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, that's great. Um, and then um, 
you had uh you had pacers right mm-hmm. yep those three and um you did you have a, a plan for them as well did you uh, say you know mm-hmm. yes for this race uh, and especially with the changes they made to the course it's such a it's such a well-known race and a, a uh, the course is so great, but they had to change the course up drastically for COVID. So we were able to pick up a pacer at mile 46 and the pacers could only enter and exit at one point, which meant they had to go all the way out and back with me before we got to that point where they could switch in and out. So they had to do 18 miles. So the last three sets of 18 miles, they each did one. So (laughs) that's awesome. Um, so, uh, you know, you mentioned that the course had to be changed due to COVID. What other changes? Some, you know, some of us haven't raced yet. <laughs> um, we haven't been out there to, uh, to see what kind of, you know, uh, accommodations are being made. What other things did you see that were done? Uh, masks at the start and finish area and in all the aid stations. And so, um, you know, if it was a time I was wearing a buff, I would just pull that up. Or if it was, um, if I had a mask for part of it, then it got too wet. So people were really good about wearing their masks in the aid stations and in the areas where it was required. And then um, there were signs all over the trail about please social distance, but that happens just naturally in a race. So um, the packet pickup was a lot different than I understand it normally is. Normally it's at a brewery and there's a big, huge party. And so it was more like a drive through where everyone came and just walked through the line and got their stuff and went out. So that's too bad that I missed the party atmosphere that Yeti puts on because they're such a they're such a community. And then I understand there's a huge party afterwards that um, that they didn't have because of COVID. So, what did you see at the aid stations? Were the, the volunteers were they um, how were they like filling you know vessels at, like their water bottles and, mm-hmm. and uh, they were using pitchers and they'd hold it real far away so that um, there wasn't contact with your bottle in the pitcher or there were um, bo- there were like big Gatorade jugs, but I didn't use any of that because I had brought um, like nutrition that I want to mix. So I suppose they were doing that for some of those, but they were, everything was in like single serving packages. So you could just kind of grab and go and not touch everyone else's food. And so um, Jason Green and all the volunteers did a fantastic job of, of doing a following procedure and making sure that, you know, everything was compliant and as healthy and safe as possible. Um, it, they really, really did a f- fantastic job of that. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, did you have any drop bags? I was stressing about drop bags and I had everything ready for drop bags. And then, um, when it, the night before the race, my cousin was going to get there early enough that I was like, can you just help me figure out the drop bags? I'm just overwhelmed. And so he got there. Uh, he was my first crew member to get there. So he got there the night before. And so we were talking about it. And since I was going to have a full crew helping me that they had set up a tent, I didn't need to do a drop bag because they were going to be right beside where the drop bags were. So I ended up not using drop bags. Okay. Um, and then, so obviously you had, um, bags for your crews. Um, did you uh, did you have a checklist when you were packing? I did. Yep, I used one that you had sent out, and it was uh, it was really helpful. And I have a huge um, running box that all my stuff just goes into. And um, I had bought so much food, extra food that I would want. Um, some of the races I have done this summer that said the aid station would be limited because of COVID, they didn't have stuff I was used to or stuff I wanted. And so I bought a ton of food. So I just put all of it in a big bin and, and gave it to the Pacers, the, to gave it to my crew to take down to the tent. So um, they had a lot of stuff. And I know it was way too much. And 
I think I could do a better job of organizing it now. And so, yeah. Okay. Right on. Um, cause you had also mentioned that, um, you know, the watch battery died. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Classic new <laughs> mistake. <laughs> I, had, I had packed it in the wrong bag and so it didn't even go to the race. So when my watch died at 69, it was, it was toast. It, there was no way to charge it. So, oh, well. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, and, and then we had told me about the, uh, the arm sleeves, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was just nervous and like rushed in and I couldn't remember what bag was in, so we couldn't find them. And so um, I, we found them the next time I came through the aid station. I threw those on, just stuff like that. That oh well. <laughs> right, right. Um, so you said you'd be more organized. Um, and uh, any any ideas of how you would do so? Yes, definitely. Um, like for example, since I was eating every thirty minutes, I was going through and I wouldn't see my my group for like four or five hours, that meant I needed like eight things to eat. And I need to do a better job of having them all accessible on the front of my vest so that it's just easy to grab it and go and stuff all the trash in one little space. And um, like we kept putting stuff in the back of my, my vest, like, you know, in the little pockets in the back and all, but I didn't want to stop and swing it around and unzip. And um, so I just ate stuff that was on the front or picked up stuff at the aid stations. So I would definitely be better organized by that. And I thought I was organized by that because I love wearing my vest and I've been, I've had this one I'm wearing now for about two years and I've got a place for everything and everything's in its place, but now they all need new places, I guess. So, so <laughs> I would change a couple of things like that. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting when you get to race day um, and, you know, how things change so quickly, um, you know, what you're used to in training, uh, you know, it, it seems to go right out the window <laughs> for some reason, um, you know, you, you don't go do the same thing that you typically do in, in training. I don't know why, but that's the same with me. I, 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 where did I put that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um did you have a, a, a race plan uh, or a goal going into into the race itself? Yeah, my, my crew asked me that, and I, I, I think I jokingly said, well, I think we could do plan A would be this many miles, and hopefully it'll be like this, and plan B is just don't stop. And, <laughs> and uh, my, crew, my, my crew said, you know, what, what are your splits going to be? What do you think your pace is going to be? And, and I said, finally, I said, I don't know. I mean, I'm embarrassed. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what kind of pace I'm going to run. I don't know what to expect. You know, I just feel, I just completely don't know. But we, um, I, I was hoping that the first, you know, 40 miles or so would kind of, I would know what to expect. And then after that, I didn't know what to expect because, I haven't run, I hadn't run longer than, you know, up to a certain point. So I really didn't know what to expect, but when I was having a hard time running, um, in the summer when everything was going bad, it was like before I got that skin diagnosis and that kind of thing, cause I got on medicine for that and that cleared up and, um, stuff got better over the summer. So then my times went back down. But before that, I mean, I was, I was getting it like 16 and 17, 18 minute miles. And then when everything would just kind of blow up, I'd just be like, shuffling along at a 20 minute mile. And so I thought, gosh, I won't make it. I won't make any time cutoffs like that. Um, but we kind of made a plan that based on what the course would look like, I would shoot for around 14 to 15 minute miles, maybe 16 minute miles going up to white top, although we didn't go all the way up and then coming down, I would make sure that I wasn't trying to go too fast, which is laughable for me because, um, cause I'm just slow. But, um, and then after that, um, there were only two cutoffs to worry about. There was a time cutoff at 28 miles and there was another one at 64 miles. And then 
after that, it was just the 30 hour time limit for the race. So I don't know. That's one thing that I don't think I'm very good at yet. So I would like to get better at that. That's that's that'll be on my list for sure is to be better about strategizing, pacing and um, knowing what to expect better and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at a hundred miles, that's, you know, something we often talk about prior to races, you know, that it's so difficult to know like what, what pace is going to be, especially, I mean, you know, Yeti given it's, you know, there's not much, um, grade change, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a bed. So, um, I mean, there's a, there's a few spots where it's a little steeper, but it's, it's usually like 2%. <laughs> so right. yeah. it can be a little more consistent. But if, yeah. And if you're, you know, if you get onto something that's more technical or more mountainous, you know, pace goes right out the window. So it's really tough to judge. You can say you want to be in by a certain time, but it's really hard to judge. Like I want to maintain this type of pace or average this type of pace. So, you know, I, that's why I encourage a lot of uh, runners to get to know what their perceived effort is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when, trained by perceived effort and you know that way you know your body and what it has on that given day um you know so it's it's you know less about pace and more about well this is what my body can do (laughs) you know that way you know (laughs) when you get to 80 miles this is this is what i got (laughs) (laughs) um, but anyhow um race day um okay so my first question here (laughs) um, (laughs) so it's it's race morning uh, you wake up and the thought is today is the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, how did you react to that thought? <laughs> yeah. And I wish I had just woken up when it was time to wake up, but, um, the rain forecast was so bad for the race day and it started raining the night before. And so all night long I kept waking up and I could just hear the rain and I just knew it was just going to be so miserable out there. And, um, and so I didn't sleep cause I kept waking up to hear the rain and, um, our kids were on a blow up mattress on the floor next to us. And so every time one of them moved, we heard that horrible, you know, plastic sound. And so I didn't sleep well, but I said, um, I set my alarm to wake up and it was like three twenty-five in the morning or something. And it, um, I always set one for two minutes later because, even on race day it's it's um, so anyhow the first one i titled um yeti and the second one was get up you're gonna finish today so um when i first woke up my first thought was oh my god it's race day i'm so scared i'm so nervous and then i immediately said no today is the day that you are going to run your first hundred miler get up and get out and do this day so i i I worked a lot on positive mental thinking and um, that kind of stuff and so on race day, the first thing I thought was that dread. And the second thing was, was immediately, no, today's the day that you are going to run a hundred miles and you're going to get all the way to the finish line, get up and go do it. There you go. Love that. Um, so now you're up and, uh, you're, you're getting your pre-race breakfast. Um, and so do you, do you typically have a ritual? Do you do something typical Every Not too much. I mean, I, I get up early enough that I can um, go to the bathroom and um, get all dressed. And and I've learned, you know, I need to have everything done before I walk out the door. I need to have the bib on, all the pins fastened, everything, and like be wearing the vest. Because sometimes I would try to do it like in the car on the way there, and then we'd realize I'd forgotten something. So I try to have everything ready, you know, when I'm walking out the door. Um, and I like to eat an egg or, you know, make some scrambled eggs or have a bagel with cream cheese and eat enough. Cause usually by the time you you're getting up and by the time you get to the race, it's been long enough that you can digest some of that. So eat enough calories. Um, and yep, that's pretty much all I did that morning. And we had, we had rented a house and there were, um, my family, 
the Pacers were all staying there. My crew was, and um, one other runner, my good friend, Christelle, who also ran, did a great job. So she was staying at the house too. So she and I were getting up and um, my crew chief, Patrick, my co- the one that's my cousin, he was driving us to the start line. So the three of us were up and about getting ready and then we left over for the race. <laughs> all right. Um, so now you're, uh, let's go to the, you're standing on the start line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, run me through that. Tell me what you're thinking, what you're yeah. seeing, how you're it's, feeling. Okay. So it's really dark and, um, all these runners are there, you know, and, um, everyone's crowded in a tent. It's raining so hard. I mean, it rained, it rained hard for the first 14 hours of the race. It was, it was awful. So everyone's huddled under the, um, the, the tents. And, um, there's a lot of people that it was their first time doing a hundred miles or, um, it was hopefully going to be their, you know, their first time that they made a hundred miles. And so I knew that there were so many people there that had that same feeling I had of, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm here. I'm really nervous. I'm really scared. I can't believe I'm going to do this. Um, and even like when we went to the packet pickup, my cousin went with me and I mean, he, he, he is, he looks totally like an ultra runner. So me, him and my daughter walked up and everyone was giving him the bags and this, Oh, how are you going to do tomorrow? And he's like, no, it's her. And I was like, yeah, it's me. I know I don't look it, but I'm here. <laughs> so uh-huh. there was a little bit of that, but, um, but not really too, we didn't have too much time. Um, he wanted everyone in and out and, you know, we were all standing there in the rain. Um, and he, he said, he said there wasn't going to be like a big pre-race briefing, uh, because of COVID and trying not to gather people. So he said about three things and, um, you know, he said, go out and enjoy it, enjoy every bit of it. He said, you've worked so hard to be here. And then he said, and this was the best thing I could have heard for the race. He said, it takes so much guts to be standing where you are right now at the start line of this hundred mile. It takes so much guts. And it just summed it up perfectly because I didn't know what was going to happen in the next, you know, two or 12 or 30 hours. And I didn't know, but I knew how, how hard it had been to get there to that start line. And you know, everyone's story is different, but everyone got through it all the same and they got there at that start line and it was the coolest thing to be told. So yeah, Jason Green, he's, he just, he nailed it. It was wonderful. Good. Um, do you remember your last thought before he said go? No, because he said that and I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then he, and then I realized he'd said, all right, go. And, that, and then everyone took off running and I was still standing there. I was like, oh, that was it. Here we go. <laughs> and we were all wearing trash bags and stuff. So it was, yeah, all of a sudden there we went, kind of missed the start. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you had plenty of time, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. All right. Um <laughs> So, uh, so I guess that would be the most memorable part of the start was, was his, yeah. uh, his little announcements there. Which would, yes. Um, <laughs> all right. So now you're in the first mile. Okay. You're, you're, you're finally moving, right? Yeah. How did it feel to be, you know, to be finally doing this, to be, you know, mm-hmm. um, I was, it was very, very dark and even darker still because of all the rain and the rain was pouring down. And then um, sometimes, you know, when you get in the trees, the rain isn't as bad. Uh, the, it had been raining all night long, so the puddles were terrible. And um, there was rocks and trees sticking up. I mean, not terrible because it's, you know, it's Virginia Creeper Trail and it's, it's a nice, easy trail. It's not technical. But there was a lot of stuff to be dodging. 
And I remember in um, that first mile, you know, I had this garbage bag on and, and I'm terrible for, you know, should I take it off? And then I'm like, well, once I take it off, it's gone. And so I always wear, you know, stuff too long, you know, and like when it's um, it, if I'm hot, I'm like, well, if I take it off, I might get cold. I might just wait. So I had that garbage bag on for, you know, probably way too long. Um, but then actually it started raining so much harder that later I pulled it out and put it back on. So uh, but in the first mile, I remember people are just, you know, trying to jump over puddles and not get their feet too wet at the beginning. And um, I remember I was having to dodge these puddles and it was real dark and you couldn't see the puddles until your headlamp got them. And by then your foot was already landing towards it. So people were jumping and like zigzagging side to side. And, uh, and this caused a lot of people problems later on because, you know, they were running awkwardly and, and then they did that for so long at the start of the race. So anyhow, I was jumping side to side like that. And my body was like, oh, this is just like those lateral slides that your coach made you do all these times. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, he's a genius. And my body just felt natural and normal doing it. And so I was just zipping around these puddles. And so the first mile, um, it, it was good, just kind of eased into it. And lots of people nervous and talking. And, um, you know, it was it was it was a really nice first mile. It, it, it I've been in races before where, you know. Gosh, I remember I did the Richmond Marathon that year that it was so cold. And the first two miles, I was so miserable. I was like, this sucks. I can't believe I'm doing this. This sucks. I hate this. And so it wasn't bad like that at all. Thank goodness. But I love the Richmond Marathon. It was a great race. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so um, hey, can we talk a minute about uh, your uh, your gear and your gear choices? Did uh, You used um, a headlamp this time. Yes? Yes. A headlamp and a handheld. And a handheld. Okay, mm -hmm. great. They yeah. have a low, a low light visibility. Mm -hmm. um, that's fantastic. Okay. Um, anything that, you know, when you started, uh, aside from your trash bag that you're like, why am I carrying this? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. So I was, as we were walking out the door, I had taken this giant Avion bottle because I was like, oh, I should sip water in the car because I had been, I didn't drink enough water with breakfast. So, um, I mean, it was raining. There was water all over me. So anyhow, I had this Avion bottle and I was like, well, I won't leave it in the car. I'll just throw it away at the trash can at the start. And then we're all standing there and the start happened so fast. Um that I still had this bottle with me and I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so totally doing this wrong. I am, I'm, you know, all these ultra runners are doing this perfect. They've got their game plan and I'm carrying this giant water bottle. And I was like, well, at least it's under this trash bag. No one can see it. I'll just throw it down once I see a trash can. And there weren't any trash cans. So I felt so bad. I was like, I can't litter on the trail on the course because Jason Green did so much work with the city to get the permits. And if the runners leave trash all over. So I had this bottle like hidden under my trash bag. And I was like, what am I going to do with this? So finally, I just set it down. And I was like, when I come back, I'll pick it up. I didn't see it when I came back. I for it but so yeah there was stuff that i like gear that i did wrong that i didn't need but i guess that's just that's how i'll go sometimes oh, it, is. it is yeah absolutely yeah like you know you uh you, you get a pair of sunglasses and and you use them for like a half hour of a hundred miler and then they're in your pack for the rest of the time and you're like <laughs> so yeah there's always something <laughs> that you're going to be carrying um all right um and now all right we're now we're moving. We got, you know, a few miles in, um, and you know, you're, um, you were saying early on that, you know, your nutrition plan, you're, you're doing pretty well, correct? Mm -hmm. Staying on, on plan. Yeah. Yep. Um, how would you say, were you being effective through the aid stations? Like no dilly dally, you know, you're just kind of 
Yeah, I've been told that I take way too long at the aid stations. And uh, man, my, my gal Tamara, she tells me, she just she just leaves me at the aid stations if I take too long. And she's right. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm the, I want to go in and make friends and eat half a pizza and that kind of thing. So, but that's more at timed races. And I was worried about this. So I knew beforehand I would, and usually um, I take a ton of pictures in races. Like my one friend, we go and travel everywhere for races. So we want to take pictures of all the sites, but I had not even brought my camera. I knew, I knew I needed to be, you know, on the ball for this. So um, the aid stations, I was going through real fast and just, um, just grabbing a little bit of food because my crew was helping me with my, I, I think I had to fill up a water bottle, like a flask, maybe a couple of times, but mostly my crew was doing that. And um, there was an aid station, in Damascus in the middle of the course that I didn't even go to because the crew tents were set up half a mile away. And so I just did all that business over at the tent with them and uh, they did not let me stick around. They acted like they were sick of seeing me because they, they, I mean, they were giving me a countdown the whole time. You got five minutes and then, you know, you got four minutes and they're like, hurry up. You got to get out of here. You got to get out of here. So, um, I mean, they really saved me a ton of minutes, best crew ever. So I was very efficient in the, in the aid stations more so than I ever have been. <laughs> I missed all the fun. <laughs> um, do you think that um, your interaction with your, your crew and your pacers, do you think it was consistent throughout the race or do you think uh, like as you got tired um, you know, and they got tired that, you know, the, the interchange changed in any way? Like, did yeah. it, you know, no, not at all. And and those guys did not get tired. They did not get tired. They did not look tired. They were they were on from the moment they got there. And the one guy, Chris, drove from Virginia Beach, like arrived there and got out of the car and had to start pacing. So they, I mean, the most committed, best friends ever. Um, so they didn't falter at all. And there was one where I came in and this was at mile 64 and I felt really bad and I had um, started to get behind on nutrition and my calves were killing me and um, I was covered in mud. And so they sat me down in the chair and one of them was toweling off my legs and another one was um, um, the deep tissue massage guns. One of them was doing my calves. One of them was putting barbecue in my mouth. Another one was fit, was restocking my vest with, um, with gels and food that I could take up. And I had got extra sets of bottles. So they always had the bottles ready for me. So they didn't have to fill my bottles. They just took out the old ones, put in the ones they had ready. Um, and even, and I was, I was hurting bad when I came in. So that was at 64. And when I left probably five minutes later, I felt amazing. I had brand new legs. I had a full vest. I had a new pacer that chatted me up and had me laughing for the next, you know, nine miles. Yeah. Best crew ever. And I know that I wouldn't have been able to do this race if it wasn't for how good they were. So I'm really, really grateful. Very lucky. That's great. That is great. Um, uh, all right. So let's get into late in the race. Um, how were you starting to feel late? Let's say like, you know, when we started hitting in the eighties, uh, mm -hmm. what was your mental state? And, you know, you, you already said you're having some, some physical stuff because nutrition was going behind. Mm -hmm. uh, you were bugging you. Um, so where were you at at that point in the, yeah, by then I was better than I had been earlier. So in, in the late sixties and seventies, my pacer, then Chris, he made me eat so much food. Um, and I was having bathroom problems. I was going, I was peeing like, I think 
once or twice a mile for like eight miles straight. So, I mean, I was doing 20 minute miles by that point. So it was only like every 10 minutes, but that's a lot of times to stop. So, um, so he was making me eat food like crazy and I was so sick of the food and, um, it was hard to eat it all, but he was making me do it and making me drink some stuff. And, uh, when the peeing didn't get better, he was making me take salt tablets and he's very knowledgeable about that kind of stuff. And he wouldn't take no for an answer. And so, if I didn't like something, we'd try something else. And he, he got, um, he got stuff to balance out. So it, I was slowing down cause I was by the end of his time, which was um, mile, mile 82 is when he left me. Um, I was in much, much better shape than I would have been. And, um, and I was going very slow, but I was grateful that it was working and I was grateful that there were people there telling me what to do. And I was happy to just do whatever. And I was, I was still there. I was still in it and I wasn't, I wasn't done yet. So it was going slow, but it was going. And I was really grateful it was still going. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great when you have somebody with you, you know, late, but for those that, you know, may not have the uh, ability to have pacer or crew late in the race, um, you can also just set a timer. Um, We had one of our other athletes that, just set a nutrition timer, you know, to remind them to, to get food down and stuff like that. So, um, if you don't have the, the opportunity to have people telling you what to do, um, set yourself a, a timer that will, you know, go off an alarm. Um, uh, so we're now we're, we're in the eighties. When was it that you knew you were going to finish, uh, this race? Um, I, I knew I was going to finish the whole, the whole time. I I really felt, I felt like unless something happened where I, I had some kind of accident, I felt like I was going to make it after boogie. Um, I went to the car and slept for an hour. And after that hour felt like I could have gone out and done something else. And so I was so upset about that, that I figured if I missed the, if something happened at Yeti, I would lay down on the trail and sleep for five or six hours and then get up and finish, you know, Saturday night or Sunday morning or Monday. I don't know. I, I just had this great idea that, you know what, I'm not going home until I do hundred miles, even if the race is over and it doesn't count for anything. Um, but I mean, that was what I, I was on. So one side of me was saying, you know, you're going to finish, you have to finish, you're going to finish. I, I, I guess um, I had not run enough miles, you know, like my longest distance before this race was not, typical. And so I was, I was scared that of what would happen when I got to that point. So I guess once I got to that point and I felt so much better than I thought I would, I thought, okay, well, good. Well, let's make it to kind of the next mile. I, I kind of set mile markers for like 44 and 50 and hundred K and then somewhere in the eighties, we'll see how things go. And they, when I hit each of those and I felt better than I expected to at each of those, it made me more hopeful for the next one. And so by the time my last pacer got me, which was at mile 82 and that one was my cousin, um, it was going so slow and it was miserable, but I felt like it would be okay. Even if it was slow. And even if I didn't have an official finish that I could, I could get it in. Um, so I was very, very happy that I was able to stay positive about that. And I think that made a big difference for me. So I don't know, but also I kind of didn't believe it the whole, I mean, I, when I saw that finish line, I was so happy I couldn't believe it. So I don't know if I have a good answer for that question. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Like you said, you, you saw the finish line, so you knew you were going to buckle, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Um, yep. uh, family was there. Oh yeah. Yep. My husband was there. He's a wonderful supporter. My kids are there and 
Um, there we, we had rented a house that's on the trail, which was really great. I, my, um, to my friend Christelle that also ran, we took a trip out to Damascus this summer to run half of the trail so we could scope it out and have a feel for it and visualize. And so we went out on a trip and one of the pacers came and ran with us and we did um, from Damascus all the way up to White Top. And um, we passed a house that had an info sign on it. And I took one of the flyers and we ended up renting that house. So we were staying in Taylor's Valley and um, my family came out when I ran by Taylor's Valley. We ran by the house and then they also came over. Um, we're doing virtual school. So while I was running, they were inside on the Wi-Fi doing school. And then they came out <laughs> on a break and, and watched me run by. Then they came down to Damascus and hung out at uh, Food City at the tents with the at the crew tent. And they went home to sleep to go to bed Friday night. But they were there um, Saturday morning. So that was that was wonderful having them there for sure. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Uh. Um, if you could use one word to describe that finish, what would it be? Um, well, it's not at all what I thought it would be. Um, I think it would just be, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I thought about the finish, you know, for months and I thought, you know, what will it be like when you get there and how great will it be? And you'll be crying. You'll be so happy. And, you know, I wasn't crying. I couldn't cry. I didn't have any you know, I didn't have any water in me left. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I, I was so happy that it had gone so well. I mean, I guess just grateful, grateful that, um, that so many things fell into place and that I was one of the lucky ones that thing, everything went right for, because there are lots of people that were at that start line that are, you know, better athletes than me or better trained than me or even worked harder in training than me. And something happened that, you know, it just cost them their race. And so I, I just am very grateful that, that I got to, got to experience that finish and the guy I made it there. What did the kids think? Um, they were funny. My son who is eight he was like, are you tired, mommy? Are you tired? But then on Sunday, he told me he wants to run hundred miles with me sometime. And I was like, great. Okay. <laughs> and, um, my daughter is, uh, she's the sweetest, sweetest thing in the whole world. She's 10 and she just hugged me and she's great. And my son, the whole rest of the day when I couldn't walk, he was so helpful to me and just try to take care of me. And, um, would let me, you know, would help me walk around the house. And so it was, it was very sweet to see how the kids, you know, saw that. And, um, I don't know. I'm curious to what they thought more, but their reactions were very, very sweet and loving. So, and same for my husband, who's my best supporter. So wonderful. That's great. Um, so, um, post race now mm -hmm. had some time to reflect. Um, so what are, uh, what are some things that you'll, you'll take away, um, that, you know, things that went right. Let's start there. Uh, things that went right. Definitely getting um, cross training type stuff in. I, I knew that was lacking and I'm so glad I got that in and I want to do more of that so that I'm stronger and better and fitter, which could hopefully make me a little faster just so that I'm more efficient. Um, and I also want to be more purposeful in my training runs, I suppose, as far as uh, being able to know exactly what my body is capable of what I should be doing here, what I should be doing here so that I can just be the best racer I can and the best runner I can. Um, and then things like, uh, utilizing my watch better, you know, I, I didn't have the cord for it. And then, um, I don't know, 
there's a lot that I want to get better at. I mean, all of it, but I think I, I hope that, you know, if I keep doing that, I don't just get too crazy about it because I just love doing it and experiencing it. And, um, you know, the back of the pack is a great place to be. It's nice and chill there. And I had so much fun running with so many people. Uh, we had met a girl at a race, um, Michelle, you know, several, um, about a month and a half back and man, running, getting to see her at the race and run with her. And I was running with this girl, Rachel, who was hilarious. And I don't know, the back of the pack is a lot of fun. And so <laughs> I, maybe I could have the best of both worlds, but, um, I don't know. And racing, you know, every time we, we get to a start line, we get to try it all over again. So I think that's one of the greatest things about, about being a runner, you know, every, every marathon is different because the conditions are different. Even if you run the same course every day, if, if you run the same ultra every, you know, every year and that's your race, it's never going to be the same. And so there's no control factor, you know, even if you train all the same, there's, there's so many variables. And so it's, it's problem solving. So I hope I get better and better at problem solving. Good. That's awesome. That is, that is wonderful. Um, so, uh, any new goals based on this? Um, I think I would like to do a 50 miler or a hundred K because I've never done those distances. And, um, I was curious to see what my time would be for those when I hit those two spots in the hundred miler, but I haven't done those two races. So, um, I would like to do that. And during the race, I was like, I don't want to do another hundred. This, I, if I'm able to say one and done, then that's fine. And, um, but everyone says, oh yeah, by the next day you'll want to do another one. And so no comment on that, but I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know. There's just so much great stuff to do out there. And unfortunately I get too excited and I want to do a little bit of all of it. <laughs> Excellent. Right on. Uh, so that said, what's, what's next for you? Um, let's see. I don't know. COVID has really changed everything. Usually, especially in the, you know, like around April and especially around October, there's too much to choose from. It's like a buffet and you have to, you know, have to be selective about what you do. Um, so I don't know, but, um, since there aren't as many races that I'm not pre signed up for, um, there's a lot of, um, like trail running, camping, excursions that we were going to do over the summer that had to get, um, shuffled. And so me and a group of friends might go up and do part of the mountain to sea trail up near Elkin. Uh, we have a weekend planned for that. And, um, I don't know, I don't know what's next. There's, you know, that's a great open ended question because it's all, it's all coming and I can't wait. <laughs> Excellent, Julie. That's a great place to wrap it up. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Really uh, enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Oh, and congratulations too. We should say that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks to my crew. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you all. Well, there's Julie. Once again, Julie, congratulations. Um, you know, I, I, I'm recording this the day after we recorded and uh, just in in retrospect, um, you know, Julie, uh, has an amazing spirit and personality and, uh, just, you know, just that really positive attitude that it takes to, to get us through some of these, um, hundred mile events. And, um, gosh, I just, I, I can't say enough of, uh, what an amazing individual she is, um, and how proud I am of her 
for for going out there and having the fortitude to stick through it, um, staying positive and just kind of working through the, the tough spots. Um, she had a plan, you know, and then that's the that's the best thing you can do. Is have your plan, not only in training but your nutrition, you know, your your pacers, everything. Try to work it out the best you can. Now, it's not to say it's going to go to plan, but if you have a plan uh, and you have backups, that's the that's the key. Making yourself organized uh, and uh, and being consistent throughout. So. Thank you so much, Julie. Um, and congratulations once again on your finish. Uh, as for me, things are going pretty well here. Um, I am accepting new clients, as I've said in the last few episodes, and um, it's it's uh, awesome to see people uh, reaching out. I really do appreciate that. So, if you're looking to uh, to get some structure or accountability to your training uh, and just kind of sort through things and make sense of how you should train and what you should be doing. I'd love to have that conversation. It doesn't mean that we have to, you know, uh, become uh, uh, a team together. But, you know, at the same time, if you're interested in having that conversation, I would love to do so. And um, it's just uh, it's an honor to coach the people that I I do and be a part of their lives and their journeys. Uh, And I hope I can share a part of yours. So thank you, my friends, for for your ears, for your time uh, and, you know, for your kind words. Um, Please, you know, share the podcast. uh, leave a review on Apple iTunes if you would so others can see it. Uh, I'm going to be posting some new videos to YouTube. I've come up with some new core workouts and such, so check out the YouTube channel. That's under Aaron Saft, A-A-R-O-N-S-A-F-T. And uh, uh, if there's things you want to see on there or learn about, let me know. Um, tomorrow is October 1st when I'm recording this, so um, my newsletter will be coming out here um, this week. So if you uh, haven't subscribed to that, jump on over to mrrunningpains.com and subscribe. Uh, you can also reach out to me through that website for coaching. I um, also have my Facebook page, MR Running Pains Coaching, uh, if you would like that. And, uh, and like I said, reach out if you're interested. Uh, again, thank you all for, for everything. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week.